Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your uh, moderator, JP, and I'm here with Father Chuck. Hey, what's up? Oh, uh, we sound so much better, dude. <laughs> with well, our microphones and, our, and our, our internet. I love that. I mean, now that you're recording in front of the blue wall again, I sort of feel like, man, yeah. we, we need to do something with that. Like, I loved, I loved the gag that you had going when you would have, like, the Balrog in the background. <laughs> yeah, I was explaining something Dan Harmon said, and I had uh, Gandalf fighting the Balrog in the background, which is pretty funny. That was fun. <laughs> Chuck, things are changing around John. Here. Yeah, you're going to start yeah. calling me John from now on. I've insisted, John Spencer. I've insisted on that. You're no longer a JP and Father Chuck. We are, we are John Spencer and Father Charles. <laughs> <laughs> you would never know that we Kahu. spent two hours talking about the Jaws sequels the other day. I, say, I love our podcast. I do, too. I do. I do, too. It's fun. We have fun. You know what? I love our podcast because it's like there will always be great podcasts and horrible podcasts, and they will come and they will go. We'll always be here, baby. We're, we're the we're the Keenan Thompson <laughs> the Ke- <laughs> on SNL. And before Keenan Thompson, podcast. it was Tim Meadows. Fred Armis. Oh, Tim Meadows. Who was who? His the whole joke was he has like been around forever. Yeah. And then when he finally Keenan's left, everyone well. thought like the world was going to end or something. Like, is that is that the assignment of the apocalypse? <laughs> Then, but no, he was he was replaced by Keenan, and now he's been there. Should, Keenan should start doing ladies' man sketches. Just bring it full circle. I want to see. Oh, dude, I would love to see the ladies' man, and oh crap, what's what up with that? Oh yeah, put the ladies' man in an episode of What's Up with That, Lindsay Buckingham, and uh... <laughs> Lindsay, ah oh, Lindsay, come on Lindsay, come on Lindsay. <laughs> <laughs> Have uh, they ever had actual Lindsay Buckingham? No. I've watched them all. That's a missed opportunity. That's a missed opportunity. <laughs> it would be great if, like, they just couldn't, because they couldn't get um, um, Bill Hader, so they just get yeah. the actual Lindsay Buckingham <laughs> to do this shtick. I mean, they kicked, they, they, they kicked him out of Fleetwood Mac. He's, 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 <laughs> he's hanging out now. He can... Cool. So some announcements before we get, before we get this thing rolling. Um, we're cutting out the uh, video podcast aspect of our of our show here. Um, so if you are subscribed to our YouTube channel, um, well, I might actually still post the the podcast, but there will not be a, you won't see us. It'll just be the audio form um, with like a logo. But we're cutting back on that just because of uh, time and money. And uh, lots of lots of stuff. I think we just want to focus on the podcast as a podcast, as opposed yeah. to you know all these kind of cross-platforming stuff. Now that doesn't mean we won't make videos. We, we we've talked about like some video ideas. We might bring back pop culture catechism, right? That's a possibility. That's a possibility. Um, like a monthly video thing, but it won't be to like serve the podcast. It'll be because we want to make a cool video for you guys. Right. It is, it is, it is, uh, peripheral to the podcast. Correct. Um, so we're taking the podcast back to basics, baby. It's like when the, it's like the, 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 the band, the Decemberists, you know, they, they had staked out this whole career being so influenced by the British folk revival that after a while they got burnt out and they decided in 2011, we're going to make the King is dead, which is all about American folk and American roots music, baby. Exactly. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. There's some listener of ours that's just like, oh, I got that reference. It's exciting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And but for the, the 40 of you, according to our, our analytics, the 40 of you who have already <laughs> been listening, they're like, I don't, I don't care. I, I, I already listened. So it's whatever. So just keep doing that's what right. you're it doing. It changes nothing for you. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Except, except there's fewer. There will be fewer. There will be fewer like allusions to video cues, visual cues that you'll miss yeah. out on. Right, and that's okay because you were missing out on them anyway. So now you'll feel like you're having the full experience. It really is funny because when we were doing video, I did kind of treat the the audio aspect as sort of like the stepchildren, like right. uh, just just put the just put the audio up, whatever. The production's right here, baby. There might be visual stuff happening. They have no idea what's going on. I don't care, whatever. But here I am now, uh, uh, basically before all 40 of you, saying, take us back. We're here. Well, and we're being, and we're being very faithful to our, to our, to our, our core, yeah. right? They've been, they've been listening to us dedicatedly. Um, should we tell them, should we, should we share what, what information we learned yesterday when we looked at our video analytics? <laughs> yeah, I, you should, it is pretty funny cause Chuck is like, I'm looking at the analytics here and I'm like analytics. Yeah. Cause I was, I was sort of blown. So we had, you know, if, if you've been following us, um, you know, we, we, we've had like our average video views for years have been like nine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Single yeah. digit. Yeah. And so we did Jesus junk. And, and which was a shorter video. And this was JP's, uh, you know, I thought it was a really great idea actually was, you know, we'll do a shorter video that sort of draws people and meant to sort of draw people to the audio version if they want more or whatever, which round I just really, you get to do twice as much work. Yeah. But, um, but the, the Jesus junk video got like 156 views. It was like hilariously like no joke. You can go on right now to our YouTube channel and you can look. Jesus Junk has like 150 something views. The video immediately bought him at nine views. Yeah. So I told JP, I was like, I don't know, man. I mean, with numbers like this, maybe we got to ride this wave. So I pulled up the analytics and that's why he was like, what? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> and I, I, I pulled it up and I, I, I about fell out of my chair laughing when I saw that, first of all, within what was it? 13 seconds, we lost half of our viewership. Yes. <laughs> And that the average watch time was three minutes and one second. <laughs> yeah, and I, I watched the video, and I think that's about in the midst of me talking about the Archangel's comic book. So <laughs> they didn't even get to the video games and stuff. And it's disheartening when you you put a lot of effort into a video, and it's like, oh, you, you, you're just going to turn it off? No? You're, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, now here's a question, though. Will this mean the end of our little like Instagram? No, tags I still I actually still want to do that because a lot of podcasters okay, do that. I love those. Yeah, I, I like love making, those. Yeah, I like making them. They're fun. They're um, fun. A lot of podcasters do that. So okay, I'll keep it going. All right. Well, now our listeners got to hear our staff meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's always good to kind of keep everybody in the up and up when things change, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, episodes be released. Uh, I'm going to keep it Wednesdays. So this week, um, we've decided to kind of kind of do a little theology special. I think th I this think is, this could count as a Christian curiosity. Yeah, probably. And this is this is honestly this this is also like this is no joke. A topic that has been on the back burner for us for probably three years. Yes, I think so too. Yeah, at least. 
totally. Um, so it, it's 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 it is a Christian curiosity, but it's not gonna it's not it's not like a weird one like the like the the you know Thief of the Night video series or whatever. Redemption um, cards. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, we're talking about Christian hedonism. Um, Christian hedonism, which is a, I guess you could call it a, it's not like, you wouldn't call it a doctrine, would you? You would just call it like a, a theological concept, a premise. I mean, I would argue you might call it a theology. Okay. A theology. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you, I think you could call it a theology because it's, it, it is sort of an all encompassing idea in, 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 in Pepper's one's view of God. I don't know if John Piper is, is listening with his eye a twitching. Um, he, he should let us know. Right. Uh, it's a, it, it is, a, we'll call it a theology uh, conceived by John Big Papa Piper. <laughs> um, uh, John uh, picked a Piper peck of pickles. <laughs> so you're probably asking yourself, wow, Christian hedonism, that's a weird, that's a that's a title that kind of gets catches your attention, right? I just can I share what I I told you yesterday. I, I that I, I learned yesterday what the term actually means and and how like it actually what it actually refers to, and that I had been operating under the 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 the, the belief for several years that it was much more interesting than it actually is. You mentioned that, yeah. But I, I yeah. want to hear you talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, should so should we define it I, first as John Piper defines it, and then? No, 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 okay. no. All Let's right. let because I think we sort of have a uh, uh, a um, not Rick Dalton. What's his uh, what's what's Brad Pitt's character in a uh, Cliff Booth in a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Cliff Booth. Oh, pff, I should know that he moderates our uh, our, our yeah. Era he's stuff. our social uh, media director. Gosh, sorry, Cliff. <laughs> ah. It's like the time, but it, it, there's a oh, it's a it's much stupider than that moment, right? Because yeah. hedonism yeah. means the pursuit of pleasure. Like, as like the ultimate ideal, right? Like that's your goal is to experience pleasure. So a person who is hedonistic only lives for pleasure. Right. The opposite right? of stoicism. Correct. Yes. So a hedonist is like, I mean, you're talking about like what Baron Baron Harkonnen or whatever from Dune, right? To kind of get a little bit of that uh, SEO <laughs> in there. It's just somebody who is just they live for the for pleasure. Job of the hut, right? Just yeah. whatever like makes them feel ple pleasure. That's hedonist. Hedonist bot from Futurama. Uh, hedonist bot. <laughs> yes. Nice. <laughs> so, so I, just let me say I, the first term, the first time I ever learned of hedonism was twofold. First. I used to listen to a lot of real radio in Orlando. Do you remember real radio? Oh yes, all day. Talk radio station. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? You know, but you know, Whipass Wilson and all these people. They would promote the hedonism resort. Okay. Okay. On I, I know about this resort. Yeah. If you live in Florida, you know about this yeah, resort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they would promote things at this resort. Well. Uh, or not too long around that, or somewhere around in the neighborhood of that time period. I went to Jamaica on a mission trip and we go snorkeling in the grill and we take our boat out to the reef and we get to the reef and there is a boat full of naked people coming off of the reef. Great. So again, we're church people, church, you know, we're young adults, 
fresh out of high school. Cause some of us are still in high school. In fact, seeing all these naked people and my youth pastor just sort of does this number, you know, he puts his hands, you know, in the bridge of his nose and it's just like, don't, please don't tell your parents. So we get there. And then of course he's making great jokes. Like I'd be worried about curious fish, man. So like, and there's the best part is there's fire, fire coral everywhere down yeah. there. So like, Fire coral stinging, right? So just I don't know, dangly bits is not a good idea while snorkeling. But anyway, so I uh, so the but I'm informed. Oh, those are people coming from a hedonism resort that's there in Negril or whatever. Yeah. So it's like oh, and so like hedonism, right? These are this is my experience of hedonism is that combined with what real real radio would say about it and what <laughs> I saw with my own eyes is. Basically, the people that you don't want to see naked, being <laughs> naked and doing whatever they want with each other. Yes. So it's libertinism. It's just, you know, the, this idea of being able to do whatever. And so I'm thinking, okay, Christian hedonism? Oh, like, okay, so was Christian hedonism, is this like a really great term referring to like Paul's notion of liberty in Christ? I can do all things, right? Not all things are benefit, but I can do all things, right? Like I can do all things in Christ. Is this what we're talking about here, that there's true freedom in Christ? And again, Cliff Booth, no, it's much stupider than that. <laughs> it's hedonism is the pursuit of pleasure. Now here's the Christian way for you to pursue pleasure. That's it. It's like Christian rock. Yeah. <laughs> Christian bookstore. Christian this. It's just like, Hedonism pursuit of pleasure, so here's the Christian way to pursue pleasure. It's not it's not an imaginative term, really, when it comes down to it. It's not. It's very like it's it's definitely designed to grab you. And this comes around like this comes around at a time when you know, we were in people when we were students at Palm Beach Atlantic University, evangelical school, that we heard lots of people talking about like the scandal of the cross. And you know, the word scandal was used a lot, I remember in college. Right. It's an attempt to make um, things more provocative than they actually are. Right. And so you would have, you know, that was also when you would have that um what was it, the triple X church. Oh yeah. Do you remember the Triple X Bible? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah, they had the Porn Stars Love Jesus Bible and they used to get a booth at like the adult video awards or whatever and like okay. try to evangelize porn stars and confession i used to frequent the triple x bible forum yeah i'm sure it was fascinating and it was just filled with people who don't know how to reconcile the fact that sometimes you get horny <laughs> <laughs> and just yeah. people just like i can't stop and we're not talking about, I mean, you know, if someone is suffering from sexual addiction, that's, 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 that's pretty bad. But that's not what this was. <laughs> it's like, right. oh, the girl is so hot, I can't stop looking at her. We should have a conversation about some of that at some point. I think so, too. Um, I mean, we, we've talked because, about it from the beginning, we're going to talk about stuff like that, but we never, we never really get to. I know. Because, you know, like... We get on a tangent. We won't get on a tangent. But anyway, this is the thing is this is this is the time period where, yeah, there's all this provocative stuff that's sort of like this movement about being offensive for Jesus. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, or provocative Jesus. But what does John Piper define Christian hedonism, Christian hedonism as? He's got a, he's got a definition. He keeps in his back pocket at all times. That's yeah. a very famous One thing say. I have learned about this man is he will pull that junk out at the drop of a hat. Oh, I'm man, pretty if we were sure... still doing video, I would pull out the picture that I've got behind me and put it up on the screen. Well, you still could. 
Uh, yeah, it's just, all right, we've got this this collage that JP and a bunch of us in college worked on that I've been carrying around with me for years, and it turns out uh, Piper's definition uh, is uh, right there, right above the, the ship sailing. It's uh, yep, uh, right there. God is right. most... God is most glorified in us, and we are most satisfied in him. That is John Piper's definition. And, and the hilarious thing is, the way that he talks about this is like, that's Christian hedonism. Like, that's all you really need to know. Actually, to tell you the truth, you don't even need to buy desiring God. Just that phrase. Yeah. Just keep going to his website. So that's the definition. Uh, God is most glorified in us, and we are most satisfied in him. Maybe I'm just thinking too hard, Chuck. But all of this just seems so broad. Yeah, tell me, because this, this this is your baby. This is a topic that you have wanted to be talking about for years. So I feel like you've got a personal relationship with this concept in a way that I don't. Because here's the deal for me. I'll just tell the listeners now. I, honest to God, believed that that quote was from like St. Augustine of Hippo or <laughs> or something. I really thought that was an old quote. I had no idea that it was John Piper's quote from like, the early 2000s or whatever, right. or I guess it was earlier than that, right? But I, I for sure, did. I had no idea, really, until yesterday, did I not know that that was a John Piper quote, and that I actually did kind of know what Christian hedonism was, um, because obviously the idea was very rampant at our evangelical university. But I, again, I feel like you, you have been affected or impacted by notions of this maybe more than I have. Well, yeah. Um, first of all, if you don't know who John Piper is, uh, he's one of those reformed theologians, uh, super into Calvinism. I guess they call it a new Calvinism or something. Um, yeah, I found out about neo-Calvinism. It just, it's a thing. Um, yeah, there's a whole, it's yeah, a whole so other world, man. He, he's really into, I looked at the, the, the theology Wikipedia, the, the theolopedia or whatever. And they oh, call yeah, them yeah, a, yeah. A, a double predestination. I don't yes. know, dude. I don't know what that is. <laughs> double, double predestination okay. is the idea that some people are predestined to heaven and some are predestined to hell. That's double predestination. Weird. Okay, fine. In other words, you have no choice of the matter. God made you. You're going one way or the other. You got no say. Okay, yeah. I've definitely. It's uh, a messed up theology. I'll just put my cards on the table. Yeah, I've ran with that gang. Um, so, yeah, I guess this kind of means something because I, I definitely, and I've really been this in the podcast before where I, I, I might have dabbled in Calvinism a bit, and John Piper is a very prominent figure in that theology. And I've just always sort of wrestled with this idea of, even today, where it's like, I feel like he's he, he's he's trying to tell people that like it's okay to pursue God and find pleasure in that. And when you do, you're actually glorifying him in you, right? And so I, I've always asked the question, and people often ask the question, well, what does that look like? Is that just going to church and singing worship songs and doing all that stuff? And I think a lot of people would be like, yes, it is. That's what that is. When you when you go to church, when you read the word, when you go to Sunday school, when you listen to POD, um, and you're finding joy in that, you are glorifying God. 
uh, he compares it to like uh, I know in this article where he tries to define it, he uses an illustration from marriage. Uh, yes, he does. So as an illustration, I'm going to read this if you don't mind, Chuck. <laughs> Knock yourself out. So as an illustration. This, this, by the way, this, this will, if any, of, any of our listeners who um, used to also frequent the Triple X Church uh, website, this might, uh, this, might, this might trigger you. just want to go <laughs> and put that out there. Uh, so as an illustration, it's my anniversary. I say to Noel, is it Noel? I say to Noel, Noel, I don't know how to pronounce this. This is wife's name. Uh, I, I'm going to take you. Well. Yeah, I'm going to take you out tonight because it is our 47th anniversary, and spending the night with you would make me really happy. I would also love it if you wore that thing in your hair. No, not that one. The the handkerchief one that puts it up. Yeah, that one. In fact, why don't you just kind of take it out right now and let it cascade down your shoulders? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> oh, we can get sued for libel. <laughs> no wife has ever said, nor would Noel ever say. I keep saying Noel. It's, it's probably Noel. No wife has ever said, nor would Noel ever say, you are so selfish. All you think about is yourself. It makes you happy taking me out and spending the evening with me. No wife ever complains that is selfish. Why? Because if I pursue my full satisfaction in my wife, she is honored. Okay. Uh, So it is with God. So it is with God. If we are drawn to God because we want to spend time with God, if God is our treasure and our satisfaction, God is honored. The thing is, God doesn't require consent. So I guess that is kind of the difference. Big Papa Piper. So he, now, there's another but, illustration where he uh, kind of compared it to like going to the Grand Canyon. Um, you know, you don't go to the Grand Canyon uh, for anything else other than just to be kind of like in awe and to find joy and stuff. And, you know, if he's trying to make the case that like, hey, like, you know, it, Christianity doesn't have to be a downer. You can like find happiness in this. I have no problem with that. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you should. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, but I feel like people kind of, st- where the people sort of make it kind of divisive when it's like, you can't find joy in things outside the church. That's because you're finding joy in the world and we should not be of the world. Right. And this is where... I was just been thinking about this since last night about how we were going to talk about this. And I, and the, the way that I, that comes to my mind is like, it's, he's so close to being right. Yeah. That where it's wrong is so jarring. It's like a, it's like tuning a guitar, mm-hmm. right? When you, when you tune a guitar string, right? When the tune is like really off, right? You're, you know, you're, you're like, okay, like it's like, you, you know, yeah. But like when you're tuning a guitar and you're not using a tuning device, right? The tuning guitar is what you're actually listening for is you're listening for this vibration between the two strings and where they're not current. So you actually hear this little and that's how you know a guitar string is out of tune. When it's in tune, it goes it just makes the same sound when you pluck the two strings. Anyone who's ever tuned a brand new set of strings, particularly the high E, knows how frustrating this can be mm-hmm. because you can be so close to being in tune that when it's not, like it's just so jarring and 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 and, and apparent that you're not in tune yeah. 
right? So anyway, the point is, is like if he were like way off the mark and it's just like on a completely different sound, it would be like, okay, well, whatever, like that's that. But because it's so close, it's so frustrating. Um, because you know, like, like I'm, I'm so he in his own description in on his website, he he uses the Westminster Confession, the first article of the Westminster Confession is the basis for this, where he which is the Calvinist doctrine that came out of Westminster during um, when when they tried to suppress the the, the proper Anglican stuff uh, before the glorious revolution. Um, and um, he, you know, he says, what is you know, the chief aim of man? Like, what is man designed? You know, what is the what is men? What is mankind? What are humans made for? Well, their chief purpose is to glorify God. Right. I can't say that I disagree with that. Um, and so in the, in the sense of, in the sense of like pursuing happiness or finding happiness, if we're made for that purpose, then it stands to reason that we would be happy in living toward that purpose. Right. Like Caesar Milan, dog whisperer, you know, he, his whole thing in his show is like dogs are happy when they're allowed to be dogs. When we treat dogs like people, that's when they get anxious and unhappy and we see the bad behaviors, right? We have to let them be dogs because that's when they're in their moment, they're okay. Right. Or like when uh, years ago I got an opportunity to work at a, at a teaching farm for heifer international and they were talking about like why you should buy like completely free range, open range chicken, like eggs from open range chickens because right. Um, like they actually hooked up devices to like chicken brains and like looked where their hippocampus lights up and like chickens basically at their happiest when they're allowed to peck and scratch. So like they can't do those things they are miserable. So like the point being is like where we're happy, like when we're allowed, when we're, when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, like we've been designed or evolved, created, which to me, these are all the same concepts, um, to be, then we're going to be happy. Right. So. I, so I guess like I don't necessarily disagree with 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 the notion here where I where I'm frustrated by it is twofold. The first is, is this idea that somehow us deriving pleasure from things in the world mm -hmm. is somehow not giving God glory. Yes. Because that, which I know we'll talk more about that. But the other issue for me is, is, first of all, you have to make a couple of, you have to make a couple logical leaps from God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him to this is how you find pleasure. Right. Um, but I guess it's in that language of satisfaction, right? When we're satisfied is when we're most pleasurable. And so we find that whatever. But the, my, my problem is the word most, because <laughs> most suggests that God is less glorified when we are less satisfied in him as though our God's God's glorification is somehow affected by our little level of satisfaction in him. Yes. Now, if we're talking about it in like a straight up, like, you know, matter of fact, like I'm not giving God glory when I'm not satisfied in him. Well, okay, fine. That like, that kind of makes sense, right? Like if you're, if you're mad at God, right, you're not glorifying God like that, 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 that stands to reason. But I don't think that that's what, John Piper's quote is trying to get at. And it does sound to me, and it sounds very non-reformed, in fact, to indicate that somehow God's level of glory is diminished by our level of satisfaction in him. You're, 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 we're keying in here to like the hyper individualism. Yeah. Um, sort of like the, 
kind of realist, idealistic idea of spirituality here by saying like, mm -hmm. you know, or my, right. my perception dictates your existence. Right. It's right. very, it's very opposite of like a materialist view where it's like, no matter what I do, this thing is still going to happen. Right. Well, and it, and if you think about it, a lot of like, a lot of, you know, evangelical Protestant Christianity has this, this language as a subtext. I mean, you think about like one of the one of the hymns. And I think we've brought this up in this podcast in years past. But one of the hymns that I remember hearing growing or praise songs I used to hear growing up was um, the, that song, um, "Like a Rose Trampled on the Ground." Mm -hmm. You took the fall and thought of me above all. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, right? Like, the, the, the implications of that are pretty messed up, right? It's the idea that like Jesus went to the cross for me. And he thought of me and I get, I know I get this and it's like, oh, it's like the aggregate of individuals, whatever. It wasn't just for one person, but I, there's still that implication of like, if I was the only sinner, he would have done it for me. Right. Um, and I mean, maybe he would have, but I just, but that, that, that focus on like me, the individual mm -hmm. being like, and, and, and my, me, the individual with God, like that's just such a, Right. Oh, it just it, it troubles me. And like and yeah, and, and like you're saying, like it's the opposite of the materialist view, which is like for me, God's glory, God is glorified regardless of what I'm saying or doing. Right. Right? Just by virtue of God existing, God is glorified. Just by virtue of the universe having been made, God is glorified. Right? There is no most in this conversation. Right? You're getting to a, we're getting to a point that I, I I think is kind of fascinating because I mentioned earlier he kind of compared this idea of Christianism to going to the Grand Canyon. He says no one goes yeah. to the Grand Canyon to increase his self-esteem. We go to the Grand Canyon uh, because standing at the Grand Canyon and watching this vast cavernous open space uh, does something to our souls because God made us to know Him as the Great Grand Canyon. Now. This person, he was talking to a person, and the person responded to him, well, yes, but it is hard to enjoy the Grand Canyon if you feel you might fall over the edge and be killed by the Grand Canyon. And he says, and I thought, that is right. She is absolutely right. If we don't have an addition to seeing and savoring the Grand Canyon, a sweet sense of the canyon is not going to kill us, I will shift my metaphor off of the canyon onto Jesus. If God and Jesus are not for us, if they are not in love with us, if they are not our friend, if they are not our savior, if they are not kind to us and caring, uh, we won't have the capacity to see the Grand Canyon as beautiful. We will just be terrified. We will be locked up inside our fears and we won't be able to know him and enjoy him. I mean, is he saying that if we don't find the joy and, 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 you know, our, our pursuit and desiring God, does it just look like he's going to kill us? <laughs> like, is it become a threatening thing at that point? Is it supposed to be scary? I mean, it, it sounds a little bit, it sounds a little bit like some other ideas that I've heard out there where, um, where if we are defined by our opposition to God, God now becomes something that we're afraid of. Mm -hmm. If we don't really know God, we're afraid of God. Right. Um, 
there might be some truth to that. I, you know, but I also think about like the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox notion that like hell, right? Hell is not a place of punishment. We talked about this, right? Hell's not necessarily a place of punishment. It's the experience of God's love, but as though it's been, you know, you've scorned it, right? And so it becomes an insufferable thing because you are rejecting God's, you know, effusive love. Um, Right, you're you're in the presence of God despite the fact that, like, you probably shouldn't be there. (laughs) Right, right, right. Which, you know, I could see where the connection to this quote, you could, you can make the argument that he could be saying something about, like, if you don't, if you don't show the proper reverence to the Grand Canyon, right, like, you could get yourself hurt, but the Grand Canyon itself is not hurting you, mm-hmm. right? Your experience of the Grand Canyon is sort of based on what you're, how you're engaging with it, right? Right. Similar thing to like a you know fire. A fire can warm you or it can burn you, but it's not the fire's fault, one way or the other, right? The fire just is. Um, and it's, I mean, so I, I mean, like I said, I, like I, I don't, I think there's, I think there's stuff to be commended here, but I. I, what I don't hear in it is God made the Grand Canyon because he wants you to enjoy looking at the Grand Canyon. And if you enjoy looking at the Grand Canyon, God's happy because God's like, hey, I made that. Yeah. You like it. Right. Awesome. Like the same way that anyone who engages any kind of creative pursuit, when you find out that someone enjoys something that you made, right? Like imagine, like, like I don't know. I mean, like think about like a, like a poet who writes under like an unknown name. Right. And you find out somebody enjoys your poem, even though they, they know you did. They don't know that you wrote it. Right. Like, do you yeah. still derive pleasure from the fact that somebody enjoys the thing you made? Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, so I, I just I sort of feel like. And, and, and maybe maybe he would maybe Piper, you know, would agree, would, would come back and say, like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm saying is that, like, we derive a better sense of pleasure when we know that God is the one who made it. Right. Right. Like, so that might be that. So that might be part of it, too. But I'm just really concerned that because what I of my reading of 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 this theology and how other people take this theology, because um, there was some like pastors conference that I recently that I read about that happened in 2019. that used this as their theme. And the guy who the, the guy who wrote about it talked about the tension between loving God and loving like your family mm-hmm. and like basically was sort of being like, it's sort of wrong for you to love your family. Hmm. Right. Like, or be like, or like disorderly loving your family. Right. Like if you love your family more than you love God, that's a problem or right. whatever. It's, like it's, it's all American, about this finding that the very American idea, God, uh, God country, God family country. Right. Like that sort of hierarchy. Yeah. 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 Even though nowadays it's more like country is God. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think what you're getting but, is something that he has, he, he mentioned in, in something I have here about admiration mm-hmm. and what's, <laughs> what's funny. And, uh, this is someone asked him, you know, what does delight yourself in the Lord mean practically? And right off the bat, he says, um, he quotes Ayn Rand. Famous uh, atheist, by the way. Yeah, uh, which he points out. He says, ironically, Ayn Rand, who was an atheist and wrote Adler Shrugs, is something I am, I think, stunningly true. Admiration is the rarest of pleasures. He says that he thinks that we are wired to be satisfied by admiring the most admirable, and the most admirable is God. Therefore, delight yeah, yourself is... in the Lord means 
delight yourself in seeing his infinite admirableness. This is connecting with some stuff that I, uh, that like, or that you know, that, that's important in, in my beliefs and things I've talked about is like, I had an experience a few years ago where I was looking at a sunset and I was like, this is beautiful. And I just was trying to sort of sort out my emotions of looking at the sunset. And I realized I feel gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's when I thought, well, that's a weird feeling. It's weird to feel gratitude for a sunset. And then it dawned on me as like, okay, if I've evolved, right? Because again, I don't think there's a dichotomy between creation and evolution because I think evolution is the mechanism by which God created everything, right? So I think that we did evolve, okay? This is probably something Piper and I maybe disagree about. I don't know. I don't know his views on this stuff. But I, so I, the, the thought was if I've evolved in such a way to have a sense of gratitude for a sunset, then that kind of leads me to believe that there is some will that can receive that gratitude. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, that's like evidence of God's existence. Yeah. Because otherwise, like, why would I have a sense of gratitude for a sunset? Because there's no one else. Like, I can't be like, I can't go over to like my wife and be like, good job. You know, like, you know, or <laughs> I mean, like, you're good. you know, I mean, unless, unless it's, unless it's, unless it's Ed Harris in his moon tower creating the sunset. Um, I mean, you should think Canada. Hey, Truman, Canada, Truman Joe joke. Yeah, that sunset was really great. Good job. Good job. um, (laughs) Thanks, I guess. (laughs) Um, Right, so like that sense that there is some form of like cosmic or beyond cosmic, transcendent will, right? You know, the fact that we hear people even to this day talk about like, oh, it was like the universe was telling me. Like that's a weird thing to say when you think about it. Like the universe is cold and impassive. Why would it tell you anything? Again, this is where I get where... Piper is talking about where I'm concerned is that Christian hedonism. And again, I don't know if this is like Piper, right? If this is what he would endorse, but people who sort of subscribe to this general sense of theology, I get the sense that they would have a problem. Like if I like say that I love like that, like my kids mean the world to me and I have this great love for my kids that like I could possibly be in danger of idolatry yes and while i do believe that there is a way you can do that i also think that god is a gift giver and if we see creation as a gift then it's a create then we are meant to we're meant to appreciate it my children are a gift from god that means that god wants me to enjoy the gift that he gave right so like me being able to say thank you, God, for my kids ought to be enough. Rather, and you know, right? And like, even then, it's like if I'm like, if I'm in my office all day and I never interact with my kids and I never like talk to them, never play with them, but I'm like, thank you, God, for my kids, right? I'm not actually showing proper appreciation for the gift, right? I'm fine. I show proper appreciation when I demonstrate my love for my children. And God loves my children just as much as God loves me. And so it stands to reason for me that we demonstrate our love for God when we love the things God loves, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, I'm actually quite on board with sort of a materialist view of this, that, you know, if 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 God didn't want us to love material things, he wouldn't have made them and given them to us. Right. And, like, I know that, I know that like, the, the counterpoint someone would be really quick to make is, well, then what do you do with, like, Paul when he says, 
you know, like do not love the world or the things of the world, right? Or like, you know, Jesus and Paul say these phrases about like, don't love the world and these things of the world, right? Like, you know, love of the world is to not have the love of God or whatever. Freaking but Paul. part of our problem, well, part of our, well, I love Paul. <laughs> and part of our problem is we're not Greek speakers from 2000 years ago. So we don't, you know, we've got a lot of, we had a lot of translation that we have to do in order to understand what Paul is saying. Yeah. One of the things that we find when we look at Paul's writings in Greek is that Paul uses two different words when he talks about like world and whatever. And for him, world refers to the things that are like empty and passing away. Right. So like what Paul is getting at is he's not saying like, oh, if you love a tree, like that's a satanic impulse. What he's saying is if you love like rome or america that's a problem because those things are not going to last right like that's just let's just talk about america for a moment because i feel like a lot of people in the reformed christian world have like this very unhealthy patriotism mm -hmm. and you know and and you know there's you know america's the greatest country it's god's gift to the world and i love i love america i love all this well you know um, america's not going to be around forever Right. Like, and I don't mean the United States of America <laughs> that yeah, we yeah. live in. Like at this point, that will always in some form or another exist. Right. Rome still exists. Right. The city of Rome still exists. You can go visit it. But Rome no longer exists. Right. right. So like as America, as we understand it, as like, you know, like akin to like the British Empire, any other kind of like major global powers that have shifted the, 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 the state of the world and the fates of the world. Right. America will not always be that because nothing that has ever been that has ever lasted. Right. It's just yeah. inevitable that someday it will pass away. And so like this is the sort of thing that's like we shouldn't be putting our faith in attention in that because it doesn't last. But what does last? Well, you know, beauty, which is part of our appreciation of what God has done, right? You know, I think of like, I was reading the other day over on the big island of Hawaii is, um, um, you know, Volcanoes Park, right? Volcanoes National Park, um, where Mount Kilauea erupts. And like, there's, you know, you can go see like active flows of lava and all this stuff. Yeah. Well, the landscape is changing all the time there that some hiking trails just disappear. So you can never like you basically have to kind of like show up and be like what hiking trail still exists and what new ones are there. Right. Because it's always changing. The lava is constantly changing the landscape. So, you know, basically, like I see what like Paul and Jesus is saying in the New Testament is like, don't love that one hiking trail that you keep going on because it's eventually going to go away. But you know what you can love? You can love the fact that it's always changing. You can love the fact that this process is ongoing, that there is a, you know, that lava flows and creates new land and that, that, that it gives you the opportunity to find a new hiking trail that you love. But basically, like, you know, appreciate it while you have it, but also connect with the fact that you're given the, the capacity to appreciate this stuff on a bigger sense, right? Don't tie yourself up to this thing, to, to one thing that is destined to fade away. You know, focus instead on the things that are eternal. That's why Paul in uh, Romans, well, I think it's in Romans, where he says that we're not, we're not at war with flesh and blood, but rather we're at war with principalities, powers, and the, 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 the present thing, you know, the, and, the, and the things of this present darkness or whatever, right? He's reminding us that, like, our enemies aren't people, our enemies aren't, you know, they are these spiritual realities that are, you know, behind things, right? You know, like, 
you know, greed, exploitation, oppression, right? Those things. That's what our war is against, not against the people caught up in all of that. And so that's where, you know, that's where I think Paul is talking. He's like, you know, we have to be aware of where our attention, you know, is. Mm -hmm. You know, our thing is to, you know, instead love the opposite of those things, right? Those things that are, you know, true, good, peaceable, you know, all of that. And we see those things in the world and we engage with them in the world. And so I, I, so again, I just think that there's a troubling element of sort of material escapism, right? And if, if, if this is related to like rapture theology, right? Oh, we can't love the world because eventually God's going to take us out of it and it's all going to burn anyway. So why should we care? Um, again, I'm not accusing Piper of that stance, but it wouldn't shock me if I learned that that was his Belief. Yeah, and you know, I, I I have memories of in high school of people being quick to correct a kid for singing a love song and being like, "Well, you know, you're putting people on a pedestal with that song." There's only one master of the universe. <laughs> exactly. Um, it really is. It's so strange when I think back and like the instances where I was told like, "Hey, calm down with the fact that you like this thing." Like, yeah. Which is strange because it's always something very innocuous. It was never like nationalism, <laughs> or like it wasn't. It wasn't uh, uh, like a weird misplaced uh, patriotism. It was like I really like this song. Oh well, you know you're going to make this song an idol, JP. I'm like I don't know if that's really. I don't. I don't know. No, you wouldn't say that if it was a yeah. Christian song. But uh, <laughs> one thing I, I'm I'm kind of curious, and just just recently occurred to me, uh, you're talking about you know, Paul saying loving the world, kind of being. Uh, you know, maybe loving him like an unhealthy sort of patriotism being maybe what he's talking about. Um, it also kind of brings me back to the idea of like, you know, Protestantism and, and well, most, you know, American Christian denominations are, are very, you know, they could be aligned with the religious right who is, who are very hyper capitalist. Mm-hmm. If you're going to tell someone to not be of the world, to not love the world, then like, why be so capitalist? In order to be, I, I don't think, I think capitalism is very much like a very, A, very unloving, B, super worldly. <laughs> like, right. you have to, the whole point in, in partaking in capitalism is to compete with one another, to be to come, right. to always well, come the- on the top. Well, and it's the whole concept of buy-in. Yeah. Right? Like, vote with your dollar, right? It's buying in. So you're actually very, you're, you're talking about actually like putting, you know, you're giving purchase to something in the world. Yeah. If we're willing so, to throw ourselves into this belief that nothing could exist but capitalism, that's the only viable thing. Um, I mean, is that not loving the world? And it's also ironic to me. You know, because I see, you know, I see stuff on the left too, right? Like the left, 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 you know, on the left side of the Christian sphere of a similar kind of like partisanship that that goes on. And I just think about like, you know, the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't endorse democracy. The Bible doesn't actually endorse capitalism, right? Like it, it endorses monarchy and only begrudgingly. And if we see an economic model at any point in the Bible that's ever endorsed, it's socialist. Because if we look in Acts, right, they're selling all their position, possessions and holding all things in common. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's voluntary. It's a voluntary socialism, which is very different than like a coerced socialism, which is, you know, what communism and some other things are, are you know, people are right to cr- criticize. But um, 
but it, it sort of it is interesting, right? Like that, at the very least, you would say that a Christian economics would be a, a, an economics of enough, and capitalism is, especially as we understand it now, is not about enough. It is maximalism, right? It yeah. is you got to have everything. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you don't have everything, right. then you're you're messed up. Something's wrong. Again, getting back to like the core ideas here of this notion, it's it's again things that I'm like not entirely opposed to. Like I think about the language in in the Eucharistic prayers of the Episcopal Church, where we say, you know, God created, you know, we were created for, you know, basically for God's pleasure, right? Like this idea of creation, for me, is like I'm I'm totally fine with the idea that I'm peripheral to what God was doing in creation. Mm-hmm. Right? God, God did not, God did not be like, all right, I'm going to create, like, I'm going to create humanity. Like, and this is like the old, like, that's not what God was doing, right? Like the idea of creation is that if God is love, love has to have an object. So God is so overflowing of love that the only thing God can do is create a space outside of him as a, to be a recipient of his love. Furthermore, you know, the, the being that the, the only person that can receive God's love is fully uh, is God. Right. So you have this idea of of the son, right, the second person of the Trinity that enters into that creation. And so creation basically is cre- is made so that God could be incarnate. Everything was made so that Jesus could be incarnate. And I'm OK with that. I'm OK with that reality that. I'm part of this bigger scheme, for lack of a better word, that leads to this pinnacle of what God is doing, right? It gives trajectory, it gives shape, it gives a purpose, all of that. And so my I my existence is sort of just a consequence of what God was doing to make everything. And I I think that's that to me is just how it is. Like I don't know if other people disagree. I think I think a lot of evangelical Christianity has problems with this because we want to believe that like God was doing everything God could so that like you and I could be here. But they seems very like anthropocentric. Hmm. Right. And like, and it, and that, and that, and that, that sort of sits with this whole idea of like, you know, we can subdue creation. We can do all of this stuff because we're better and elevated above it or whatever. But if we actually see ourselves as sort of part of it, <laughs> yeah, then it becomes a bit different conversation. And one of the things that sort of blown my mind is humans are the only things that have sinned in creation, you know, like the lions never sinned, you know, well, the, the, not the fish those never two sinned. lions in Africa, the, the ghosts of the darkness, oh, the, the, the ghost and the darkness. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. Okay. Yeah. 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 But but the reality is, is like all of creation, if all of creation is 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 in worship, because they can all of creation can only do what God has created it to do, and so the tree in its processing of you know making chlorophyll and processing carbon dioxide, right? It's worshiping because it's doing it's perfectly aligned with what God has made it to do, right? So it is God is glorified by the tree doing its thing. Right. So we're the only thing that affected that process because we made a choice because we really wanted that piece of fruit instead of, you know, just listening to God. And so that to me also changes the relationship and then just the whole trajectory of everything, because 
if I look at a tree and I, and I define a tree as though it's a, it is a being at worship, it's, it becomes harder for me to cut that thing down. But furthermore, it can be a teacher because it can teach me about how to worship. Mm-hmm. I know some people are going to hear this and think that I'm like some kind of weird like pantheist or something. And I'm, I swear almost, to God, I'm not. Almost sounds Buddhist in a way. Right? You could say that I'm biting. Know, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why there's a reason why a lot of this stuff has commonalities, right? Because yeah. it all kind of starts from the same ideas, and it just sort of forever. Anyway, you know, I'm not saying that like I, you know, any person just looks at the, you know, like I'm not trying to get caught up in this whole like natural law, natural theology stuff that is all is kind of problematic in and of itself. You know, I'm what I'm saying is is that what I read in the scriptures, and what I experience in the traditions of the church, and that when I look at something in creation. I see something that is at worship and it's telling me what I need to do to be aligned with what God created me to be. And so if I'm going to bring God glory, then what I need to do is what God made me to do. And what did God make me to do? Well, you know, we complicate that by talking about careers and all that kind of stuff, but Mm. by virtue of existing and abiding, (laughs) right. Um, And by appreciating Again, if appreciation is the rarest of pleasures, right, then appreciation in and of itself is something that brings God glory. Now, I do think that we have an, an enriched sense of appreciation when we know to whom we are giving that appreciation and directing that appreciation. But I still think that God is happy, like, when the atheist looks at the tree and it's just sort of like, how amazing is it that this thing was born out of death and decay? Right. That God is still like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> like, I know you don't believe in me and that's fine. And you're seeing it at a different level, but you know what? I'd still like, I'm still delighted that you, that you see this right. for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I made it for you to enjoy it. And so you're kind of tapping into what I'm, what I've been doing purpose. all along. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually Paul talks about, cause I'm, I'm doing a study on Romans with my church right now. And Paul actually kind of addresses this in the early chapters of Romans. We miss a lot of it because we've turned early Romans into like a bunch of proof texts about like gay people and stuff, which is just a really messed up thing. When we look at Paul's bigger conversation, what he's basically saying in Romans is he's like, all right, you know, it's a Jewish, it's a Jewish church and a Gentile church. And you guys are kind of at each other's throats, you know, you Jews believe the Gentiles are awful. That's what Genesis, that's what Romans chapter one is all about. And he said, but you know what? You guys have messed up too. And here's how you've done it. Right. So Paul's like, so the fact is we're all sinners. Everybody's sort of messed up. But on the same, by the same token, we all know that there are Gentiles who, though they didn't have the law, they've sometimes tripped and fallen into the, into like doing what God wants them to do. And you've already acknowledged that in the past, right? And Paul doesn't outright say it, but you could see like the suggestion of like, hey, Plato and Aristotle, they've come to the idea that there's one supreme God. So like, obviously some Gentiles get close to it. So, you know, why would we discount that? Right. So I think Paul, you know, and so Paul's bigger argument is just like, if, you know, if you're going to be a Jew, be a Jew. If you're a Gentile, Gentile, it's fine. God doesn't expect you to be each other. You know, you've each, you each have found your way into salvation. And that was all part of God's plan. That's, that, that's Romans in a nutshell. And so like, again, right, you might not worship the God of the Bible, but when you appreciate something that God has made and you recognize that there is a transcendent quality to why you appreciate that. I think you're, you are, you are giving an act of worship, even though you might not know it. 
And, and I think God is glorified regardless if you're aware of it or not, because I don't think human beings can affect the levels of God's glory. Interesting. I think God is always glorified no yeah. matter what. Fascinating. I, I, and I, I, I love the way you explain that because it feels like it's something that I have embraced only in the past 10 years. And it's made me a much happier person. And not only yeah. happy, but like, I'm not, I'm not bothered anymore. Like, I feel like so many of my years as an evangelical of worrying so much about like, am I not happy enough? Am I happy enough? Am I too happy about this? Am I putting too much into this? Now I, I see myself, I am simply, I am simply a dude who rocks. <laughs> yeah, I... And what it, I mean by that it, is, you know, I, I have my things that I like and I do them and I enjoy them and I, and I do them without any kind of hesitancy. And, and, I, and I believe God likes that. Yeah. I, I, the, in our texting a little bit but yesterday, I kind of gave a, an illustration that I think works, which is, you know, it's like I, my, kid, my boys love Lego. Mm -hmm. So it's like if I go buy a Lego set for them and I give them the Lego set, Right. What, what do I want them to do? Yeah. I want them to build the Lego set. Right. Like that's what I want them to do. But this Christian hedonism thing sounds to me like I'm giving my kids the Lego set and then I get really pissed off that they're not like just like adoring me instead of building <laughs> the Lego set. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like my delight and how I know that my children have show their love for me and the love of the gift that I've given them is when they actually like kind of put their all into it. Now, if my kids like build, you know, they build their Lego set and then they like put it on top of an altar and start bowing down and worshiping the thing that they just made, then we have a problem or just like, or they you know, start calling it daddy. Yeah. Or even just like completely not acknowledging that like dad did something for you, you know, just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank like, you. Th there's is an right. issue there. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, like, I just, I don't know. It's just, and it, it's just so funny to me that we, we, we seem to really overcomplicate this stuff. Like, I really do feel like God is sometimes looking down and just being like, dude, Piper, I just, I just wanted the people to like the Grand Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you realize how long it got that water to trickle through that thing? Like, do you understand how long I waited to see the thing finished? This isn't a metaphor. Like, I just wanted people to like it. <laughs> Here's a question I have. If this whole idea is supposed to make people happier in their pursuits and the desiring of God, which, by the way, that's the name of that's the name of his website. That's kind of the name of his ministry is just desiring God. Right. And doesn't the, doesn't this whole concept first come out of a book that he wrote called Desiring God? I think so. Yeah, I think that's like his big bestseller. Um, if if it's so central, this hedonism, this pure, unadulterated joy, this happiness, then why? Why are Calvin so miserable? <laughs> like, you you met these people? They're not they're not happy. These are not Epicureans. <laughs> these are they're 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 pissed off. Like you you get into a conversation about theology with them, they will get very angry quickly. Right, and I, I we are of course playing it up just a little bit, but you and I do have pretty pretty robust experiences with Calvinists, and yes overwhelmingly our interactions have shown that these are people that yeah like you said, they, they don't seem very happy there's a delightness in in being crass and being like in your face and like uncompromising like 
freaking Clint Eastwood in Gran Torino or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and it gets to it, it gets sort of like a, a feeling that I had a lot when I would come back to PBA after becoming an Episcopal priest, where there was sort of like, "Oh, you're an Episcopal priest? Oh, isn't that quaint? <laughs> oh, you go to an Episcopal church? Isn't that quaint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we like you guys. You're so quaint. Uh, it's it's just like a the drop of the hat. It's like if you mention anything, kind of believe. It's like, oh, well, that's one way to believe something. Like, what? The... <laughs> Sip my craft beer. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's. That's the interaction I've always had with people, Chuck. If any kind of mission of anything, mm, well, that's one way to look at it, I guess. May, and, you know, maybe that's maybe this this theology, Chuck, is just for them. Maybe John Piper's is like, guys, the people are freaking miserable. Be happier. Maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what maybe. it's Maybe. I would love to believe that that's the case. I have to be honest. I, I, I often confuse him with John MacArthur. Yeah, oh god. And talk about a, a and yeah, talk about a hedonist. Piper might be actually a happier dude than John MacArthur. Yes, definitely. Um so like that's why like you know I'm glad that we're talking about this in not in a non-dismissive way. <laughs> um because you know it's because again it, it's close to being true and like and again we don't want to be like these calvinist types no, 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 types no. that we talk about where we're like oh well <laughs> let me tell you why your theology is wrong <laughs> because i mean on some level we are doing that right i guess but for me it's more just like i just feel like it's it's right but like just or it's close so close to being right so just make the jump man just like <laughs> you know right you, you can put down the thick theology book and just go take a walk <laughs> yeah you know, like it's and what's funny to me, too, is I feel like there's a lot of these people that would criticize monks mm -hmm. and asceticism that this isn't what God wanted for Christians. But what's the functional difference if you're spending your whole time stuck in thick books and being superior to everybody and believing that it's wrong to enjoy what's out here? How is that any different than the monk sitting in his cell? Hmm. You know, it's 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 the same problem. And it's a problem Christianity has had to has dealt with for centuries is how do we how do we have a right relationship with the world? Right. And, you know, because monasticism started because Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire. And a bunch of Christians were like, oh, suddenly, you know, suddenly like it became sort of you know, compromised and impoverished because it got tied up with the political aims of the Roman Empire. It was seen as a means to sort of preserve the empire that was dying. And so like Anthony and others, they decided, well, we're, we're opting out. We're going to go out to the desert. And they decided to try to get away from, from all that. And then other people started following. And then it sort of became its own animal that they had to then deal with. But the renouncing of the world wasn't so much like, you know, I mean, there's a reason why these people went out to like wildernesses, right? Right. It's because they realize that there is something profound and beauty out in the wilderness, which is in the world, mm -hmm. but it's not of the world because of the world is, you know, powers and mechanisms that exploit and pave over and hide, yeah. you know, what God is doing or has done. Um, you know, you're seeing through the facade and into the heart of what, what what's really there and loving the truth of it, not the the facade that's been built on top of it. And that's, a, I mean, it's a, it's a tough balance. But, you know, and, and I'm probably taking it to a much deeper place than like you were intending when you talk about like getting criticized for liking, you know, in sync too much. <laughs> 
Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think this is as, as I mean, I, I love it when we go deep, like, <laughs> because, you know, on the surface, this seems, this all seems very innocuous. Be happier about God. Right. Oh, okay. But what people don't realize is that that's just like, that's the tip of the iceberg, baby. <laughs> like people, <laughs> I mean, they take it in so many different directions. Right. So. Right. Well, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, well, I think of, um, Keith Green, who's a early Christian rock musician died at a very tragically young age. Um, but just sort of a powerhouse and sort of a radical person. Um, he has a song I really like called because of you really kind of Elton John jazzy piano kind of thing. And, um, but it, the, the song is basically the idea of like, people see the joy that I have and they want to know what it is. Well, it's because of you, like it's being referring God, right? It's because of you. And I want people to know that that's why there's a different quality to the kind of way, to the way that I'm living my life. There's something else. And it's because of God that to me is what like, is what Christian hedonism is kind of trying to say, mm -hmm. right? That somebody who has like somebody who has that kind of sense of satisfaction, right? Like it, 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 it but it should be joyful, but there's a lot of people who I feel like they, they're not actually joyful yeah. because they're too bothered to, they're too focused on being right all the time or they're too focused on, and, and maybe Piper would argue, like you said, like maybe Piper would make the case to say that, like, you, know, you guys have got it wrong. Like, this isn't what we're saying, and this is why you need this. But I feel like it is really easy to take it and twist it into saying that if you're finding satisfaction in your family, or you're finding satisfaction in, you know, surfing, to use a personal kind of thing, that you're not glorifying God. Well, I disagree with that. Definitely. Because God gave us those things. And if he didn't want us to enjoy them and to love them, then he wouldn't have given them to us. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's something even, you know, when you, when I was in college and I had all these pursuits, missions, film, you know, I wish I had that kind of confidence to be like, or I was just starting to have it because people were like, you know, are you sure that this is God's will for you to go to China? Are you sure this is God's will for you to go to LA and become a filmmaker? And I never, I always, deep inside me was like, of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Why do I have to like, <laughs> why do I have to lock myself in a room and, and, and pontificate on this and cry and, and torture myself, which is what a lot of these kids did when they were trying to decide yeah. what South American country they're going to visit for spring break, <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm just like, no, insist. Just say, yes, of course it is. It's a desire you have. It's a thing you're doing for God. Blatantly, we're talking right. about missions. Of course it is. Just do it. Well, let's talk about, let's take this to a, another level, right? Okay, these are, this, this theology, of course, is being reformed. Yeah. It espouses a very high view of God's sovereignty. Right, yeah. Right? And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the will of God, right? But when people talk about the will of God in this context, they're, they're basically saying that if it's God's will, 
it's always going to be something that makes you happy and positive or, or X, Y, Z, whatever. Right. But God's will is God's will. If God is sovereign, mm -hmm. then God's will is God's will. And sometimes like going to China, maybe it doesn't like turn you into somebody who's going to start some sort of like Bible smuggling operation or whatever it is that, you know, someone might want to try to do with a mission to China. Yeah. It might be that the experience of being in China puts you in front of a situation that inspires something inside of you that like 10 years later you're using on a farm in, in Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it's right. It's like all of these things are working. I, Cause I, I thought about this a lot with, in regards to like Cana, my wife and I talk about this a lot because how we met, like I had given up on that whole idea of like God has one perfect will for you in your life, you know, when it comes to a spouse or whatever. I'd given up on that a long time ago. And then Cain and I met and the way and the way like as we talked about our lives and we talked about how we met and it just sort of felt like divine intervention in a very weird way. And so, you know, we started to talk about a lot of different things and and I've come to the belief that right in the end everything is God's will because God is sovereign and God's get God gets what God wants because that's what sovereignty is all about. Um and that it's arrogant for us to think that like God is sort of sitting there and being like, I really need you to do this thing because if you don't do it, like we're going to have a problem. Right. Like, no, at the end, God gets what God wants. And, you know, we take circuitous routes to that, but we get there eventually. But like, I realized is like, well, you know, you know, I, I went to Palm Beach Atlantic university. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I wasn't intending to do that. I just sort of, you know, it, it sort of happened, right. It happened. I went there. Um, while I was there, I met someone who happened to invite me to go to an Episcopal church, right? So I was dating someone whose grandparents were members of an Episcopal church going there, made me Episcopalian. Um, you know, so my relationship with her, that was like the biggest thing that came out of it was the fact that it got me to the Episcopal church, which then got me to be a call to the priesthood, which then got me to seminary. And then it happened to be while I was in seminary, going to church with friends that I bumped into Cana in front of her church where we were made, married, you know, about two years later. So it's, it's it's sort of a remarkable thing when we think about like, you know, you only really know what God's will could be when you're sort of in retrospect or like the full or the fullness of what it could be in retrospect. Right. So like you're saying, is it God's will to go to China? Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Right. Yeah. Does that mean like, cause I feel like when people, especially when we were in college and they would talk about that, it was sort of like, it seemed like weirdly kind of tied to like career and yes. purpose. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. So like if you only go to China, if it's somehow going to be like, part of your career oh yeah totally yeah if people it, it, there and was like, definitely a, like a sliding scale of like how dangerous a trip could potentially be and the most dangerous one's like well i don't like know a whole lot about theology so i can't go to syria but you know i'll, I'll paint you know kids faces in bolivia that's that's the level i'm at I'm like no <laughs> just pick one you like and go right right you know, it was like I, I had a, you know, I had really wanted to go. I had had a, a, an interest for a long time about going to India. And so, like, I had signed up for a trip to India. And then, like, the church we were working in India was like, oh, it's going to be too hot for you guys to come. Oh, that was my trip. So, like, yeah, was it yours? Yeah, it started out as India. And they said it was too hot that, that like, it would have killed us. Yeah. So we changed yeah, it yeah, to the yeah. Philippines. Oh, you went, no, because the group that I was in, they ended up, uh, it became like a Tanzania trip. Well, our trip was India, and then it turned into the Philippines. They told us not okay, to come well, to India because the heat would have killed us. Maybe there were like two India trips at the same time. But the one I was one that was supposed to be India anyway. Anyway, it turned it into Ch Tanzania. Okay. And I opted out because I was just like, I don't. I mean, no, no offense to. I just didn't feel the draw to go to Tanzania. Yeah. 
you know, and, and that's fine because that summer I wound up uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail and that's when I felt my call to priesthood. Right. So, you know, it, it, it just, yeah, you just, you just don't, don't overcomplicate this. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, no exactly. need to. Um, but again, we're talking was, about college students. So it's like, you know, you get, you're at that. Yeah. Everything is a crossroad, <laughs> you know? Well, and like, uh, you know, do I believe that like, you know, I'll take it to a, a, a somewhat dangerous level. Do I think that Donald Trump was God's will for America? I do. Oh, I do. It's kind of, kind you know of why? A, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, cause I don't know that it was necessarily the way that a lot of people, when they talk about Donald Trump being God's will for America, think mm-hmm. about it. Okay. Right. Because, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes God answers your prayers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes God gives you what you deserve. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, you know, we, what we're going through right now as a country is something that needs to happen. We need, we need to, we need to get through this, this crap because otherwise it just simmers beneath the surface. I, I think about, um, Gene Robinson, who's the first openly gay bishop in the Episcopal church, um, who's consecrated bishop 2003, obviously a very controversial thing when he became bishop of New Hampshire. Um, he was ordained bishop with a bulletproof vest under his vestments because they had credible threats that someone was going to try to kill him. Um, I had a chance to hear him preach once and he said, uh, in a, I can't remember if it was in his sermon or if it was a conversation with him later, but he said he was once asked, you know, knowing all the stuff that's happened and all the like church splits and all the, you know, cause his ordination caused like, a huge rift in the Episcopal church and just global Anglicanism. He was like, you know, he was asked if he knew, if he knew everything that would happen as a result of his election, would he, would he, would he go back and do it differently? And he said, well, no, because first of all, he's is like, being called to a bishop, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, not me. And so who am I to go against the Holy Spirit? Like the Bible is pretty strong language about what happens when you go against the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he said, my election allowed certain things to come to the surface that had been simmering and that we've been able to ignore and fester. You know, he says now it's out in the open and we can deal with it. And so I think like when this conversation about God's will, like that, that's also a piece that that's part of it too, is that it doesn't necessarily mean that like following God's will is going to result in sort of like a perfect, happy, clappy experience, right? Sometimes God leads us where we need to be because there's some, there's some, there's some, there's some junk we got to deal with. Um, and it has to be brought out. I mean, I, I think I mentioned this to you yesterday too. It's like, well, Jesus on the cross, man. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's you know, all, yeah. You know, my God, my, you know, you talk about Aramaic, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani, where, where am I, you know, where, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where is God in this moment? Is, how does that fit with when God is, God is most glorified and us we're most satisfied in him, right? Because the argument would be that Jesus is doing perfectly, it's doing the thing that's supposed to be glorifying God the most is a salvific act, right? But he feels God's absence in that moment. Yeah. And our, our boy, our boy, uh, Slavoj, Slavoj Zizek. He talks about that moment. Oh yeah. He talks about how it's like what makes this that that's the moment that makes Christianity like the most unique religion because it's the we're the only religion where for a moment, a brief moment in time, God became an atheist. He doubted himself. <laughs> he didn't believe in himself. And it's and he's saying like how how bad is human suffering when if God experiences it, he loses his belief in himself. And I was like Damn. Yeah, I don't know that I believe. It was seasick on that, but it is, yeah. Seasick is, oh gosh. One of the things I, I love about him is he uh, he points out that a lot, and this, I was actually going to bring this up earlier when you were talking about the whole God's will thing. Yeah. Um, earlier about all of that is that is that he talks about how 
we're not talking about faith a lot of times. We're talking about certainty. Mm. He says, he talks about how he was in Kentucky once. He saw a church sign that said, this isn't a place where we would just believe in God. We know God. Right. And he's like, well, that's not faith. <laughs> and you claim to be people of faith. That's not faith. That's certainty. Yeah. Faith, faith would never make that claim. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing about like this whole conversation on God's will, right? Like you, as you're saying, sure. Right. Like, are you sure China's God's will? Yeah. It's a desire I have. I should go. Well, what if something bad happens to you? Well, maybe that's God's will. I, you know, it's like, you know, it's, that's, I can't live my life thinking of it that way. Right. Yeah. This is, this is a leap of faith. I am stepping out on faith to do something that I think I'm led to do. And it, I might crash and burn. I might not. Right. Like there's a great example of that actually in the book of Acts where, um, Paul says, I'm going to go to Rome. And this prophet comes up and like ties him up and it's like, you know, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. And he's like, yeah, I know. And that's precisely what happens to him. You know, he gets arrested and he has to go stand before, um, he has to stand before, you know, Caesar, but Paul sees it as an opportunity to preach the gospel to the Roman authorities. Right. So it becomes like, he sees it as an opportunity rather than as a, as a negative thing. You know, you know, God bless an atheist to be able to kind of look at it from a different angle and be like, Hey, <laughs> how do you not see this? It's funny. I was thinking in my head, like reading over Christian hedonism and thinking about all these sort of quirks that kind of accompany the sort of evangelical or even just, just Christian in general. Like, I just imagine an atheist like looking at being like, ah, oh, the Christians are being weird again. <laughs> like, are, are the Christians okay? <laughs> uh, I think many atheists would be like, no, they're not. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Right. Which is also, you know, kind of part of it, right? Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. But um, I, uh, it, it, can we acknowledge that both, uh, both pipe pipes and us, uh, Papa Piper and us, uh, we, we drew on atheists for our, for our conversations, right? Like oh, to justify yeah. our views. He, he brought in Ayn Rand and, you know, we, we brought an atheist of a much higher caliber. That's, that's a very quality atheist. Old slides. How do you pronounce? I, I I always say Slavoj. It's Slavoj. I think it's Slavoj. Slavoj. Zizek. Zizek. Yeah. Zizek. Because I know he's got the little like weird marks with the disease. Yeah. Zizek. Yeah, that is interesting. He brought up Ayn Rand. We had a lot of Slavoj Zizek. Oh, even though those two would be fundamentally opposed to each other, Ayn Rand very, was, very, 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 very was, uh, was a was was a uh, one mean motor scooter. <laughs> Slavoj wants us to have health care. You know, so. <laughs> I love the video, you by the way, if our listeners, if our listeners want a good video of him. All right. So his name is spelled S-L-A-V-O-J-Z-I-Z-E-K. Now, Google will do the rest. <laughs> Google will, yeah, do, Google the will rest. do the rest. <laughs> but there is a really funny YouTube video of him talking about tulips that everybody should watch. Have you seen him talking about tulips? I don't think I have. No. He's watering the tulips and he's like, children shouldn't be exposed to these that are obscene. Cause they're... <laughs> I think he refers to them as, as, uh, as, a uh, as, um, as, a. Uh, Vaginal dentata. He like goes his whole thing about how uh, their their sex organs and children shouldn't be exposed to tulips. It's very funny. Uh, he's also a big fan of uh, the movie They Live, which he uses to explain his uh, his philosophy on the concept of ideology, which I'm fascinated with. He did. He co-authored with. So there's a there's a theologian that I'm a big fan of um, named uh, well kind of a fan. I should be a fan. Um, John Milbank, who is the foundational theologian of a movement called radical orthodoxy. I've that heard him very John influential Milbank, in yeah. my beliefs. Well, Milbank and, and him are, and Zizek are friends okay. and they co-authored a book on Jesus called the monstrosity of Christ. Hmm. And I left it in Florida. Oh, <laughs> um, and I, and I'm, and I'm very disappointed in that. Hey, Carmen, 
if you're listening to this episode, one of our listeners, faithful listeners, if you wouldn't, if you'd be, if you do me a solid and go in my old office and grab that off the shelf and mail it to me, I would be pretty excited. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, but it's fascinating. The two of these guys, they, they work together. Yeah. I would love to hear being very I, diametrically opposed, opposed. I would love to see John Piper and Savoy uh, in the same room together. Just uh, hash it out guys and see what happens. Desiring God. Yeah. Desiring God. Let's get into it. No, it's called Desiring God. Why not? <laughs> Your mispronunciation makes it work. You know, every time someone like uh, talks about Slavoj, they always try to do uh, like an impression. I'm not going to try it. No. <laughs> There's too many moving parts in that impression. <laughs> I just love, because I'd read his stuff and I, I got the sense he was very eccentric. And then I saw videos of him. I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks like somebody like gave like a homeless man a microphone and stuck him in front of like... <laughs> Oxford University. He looks just like Dan Harmon. He does look a lot like Dan Harmon. Yeah. So I just love that I there think is, if you he, Google Dan Harmon, you'll find pictures of Slavoj. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I love that. I love that there's this great picture of him and like this, like he's a gray t-shirt that has holes in it. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and he's in front, he's in front of some prestigious edu- European educational, you know, center. And he's, they made him have a lapel mic because they were assuming that he would show up. <laughs> you know, in a, in an outfit with lapels. It's just like hanging and off probably like <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's hanging off of his shirt. Uh, it's, I think he actually like sort of like pinched up his shirt to kind of stick it on there. <laughs> yes. Uh. See, this is what I mean by dudes rock. Okay. This is what I mean when I say I am a simply a dude who rocks. That's what I'm talking right. about. You just abide. I'm, I, I just abide, bro. That's all I am. Yeah. All right. Well, we, I think we've reached the end. Chuck, uh, I mean, we uh, probably not. We could probably keep going. <laughs> we could probably could. I think our listeners would probably like us to keep going. Actually, on this one, but probably. yeah. But uh, I, I've run out of time in my my allotted uh, time here in my my in my. Little you did table. record this, right? I did. Yes. Okay, I was a little afraid that maybe I messed up. You know, it's funny. The moment you asked that, like, I did feel like a, a chill down my spine. Like, did I? <laughs> but no, it's it's recording. I see, I see a little red dot, so <laughs> sure. Using call recorder this time. You know, it's funny. If, if you were listening to our two Jaws episodes, you're probably thinking to yourself, did they use call note again? Are they going back to that? Wow, they really are going back to the roots. No, just, uh, <laughs> just whatever the native Skype recording software is. Uh, which I believe is just uh, crap on a stick, I think. I think it is just literally crap on a stick. Actually, I think it. I think it really is some uh, some uh, some farmed out work in India guy, just holding like one of those cassette, those mini micro cassette recorders, just up to the computer yeah. while we talk. That's exactly what it was. So anyway, uh, all right. So uh, how, how do we uh, close this out? What are our final thoughts on uh, the concept of, of Christian hedonism and and how God is most glorified in us and we are satisfied in Him. Most satisfied in him. Most satisfied in him. I think on the surface, it's like, fine. Whatever. Yeah, be happy. That's, uh, you know, I can get behind that. Yeah, God wants us to be happy. But what's the but? What's the big but? Well, I mean, the big but for him in this is, right, like, it's not just about be happy in a vacuum, right? It's, yeah. it, it's And this is the, actually one of the criticisms, a couple of criticisms. We didn't have any of the really other criticisms about this, which is like oh, yeah. that it's putting happiness above God. Or that it, you know, God has a means to an end, or that, um, or the other one is like, no, God calls us to obedience, not happiness, which is that's just sort of bitter. Um, but we sort of, I think we've kind of hinted at that a little bit in our conversation. But I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think the idea that 
God wants us to be happy. And, but, you know, ultimately we find the, the richest form of that happiness when we acknowledge that it is God who wants us to be happy. Right. I think that's really a, a simple way to talk about the best way to, to, to interpret this concept. I don't know if that's Piper's interpretation of his own concept, but and I think we find that happiness by enjoying and, and loving the things that God loves, which is everything he made and gave us. Yeah. Um, and that we have a better appreciation of it when we know that it's him who gave it to us. But even if we enjoy it without that acknowledgement, God is still glorified because our sat- our level of satisfaction cannot affect God's glory. I agree with that. Those are also my final thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that, that family guy thing where it's like, where they have uh where they have uh, Matt Damon's like, all right, my first screenplay, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> and then like Ben Affleck pops and like, Hey, could you stick my name on that? <laughs> uh, Father Chuck, thank you so much for being out here again for, for making it for make making the trip. You know, it's uh, it's always difficult for me to get from Hawaii to Oklahoma, but uh, okay. I'm glad I did it. Well, this time maybe take I forty. I think if you took I forty this time it would be probably a little bit shorter of a drive. A few more lights. That's but... true. Few more lights. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, the only problem is it's just like any route that I take, you know, like people drive slow because the roads are wet. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little bit because they're in the ocean. It's in the ocean. It's in the ocean because it's, it's a. Is it remaking an ocean <laughs> joke? Is that? I don't know. <laughs> did you know that one? Of, did you know that one of the frequently asked questions about people about Hawaii is that, uh, or is that, or one of the most commonly misheld beliefs is that there's uh, roads connecting all the islands. Oh, really? People think that you can drive to oh. all the other islands. I thought you were saying that there were roads to like underwater or something. Like... No, 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 no. But people do think there are oh, that's... roads that connect all the islands. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> kind of like, hey, how do I get to the beach? People ever ask you that? Hawaii has five airports just because we want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I want to also thank our audience for, hey, sticking it, sticking it with us. Just, just, yes. you know, sticking it out. Going, going through all these uh, changes, um, the 40 of you who've been listening, hey, good going. Our podcast is most listened to when <laughs> you most tune in. I don't know. <laughs> Everyone, please have a wonderful week and stay safe out there. Get vaxxed. Get boosted. Yes. And have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next time. Good journey. Good jury. Let me try it again. Good journey. There you go.